Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Voice Notes with me, Venetia. It feels as though it's been ages since I last chatted to you because I was on holiday last week. Max and I went to France and we had a lovely time. And I feel like I have made some serious headway for the following reason. When Max and I first got together, he had not taken a holiday in a very, very long time. In fact, I would go so far as to say holidays just weren't really a part of his existence. And I found this fascinating because I think in the UK, the majority of people will take at least a week off in the summer. I think that is quite a standard thing to do, irrespective of your class. I think the majority of people living in the UK would say it's standard to take a week off. The majority, obviously not everyone, but the majority. And I think it's a big feature of sort of work and office culture. You know, if you work in an office job, you have a nine to five, you have to book off your holiday dates really quickly. Often you're competitive with your colleagues about when they might be. You will want to get the best dates because they're limited because you can't always be away at the same time. And then office chat around where are you going on holiday is a big thing. So I think the UK for all its faults, because we have a lot, we have a lot of faults. I think our relationship to taking holiday is not that bad. I would even go so far as to say it's okay. It's quite good. Americans, whole other kettle of fish. Our friends in the in the US, I think they get about two days holiday, two days annual leave, if that. They get no holiday whatsoever. And it's just not so much of a thing, as far as I can tell from my conversations with Max. And certainly with Max, I'm going to I'm gonna wind in my, my knowledge here because I appreciate I really can't speak for many people apart from myself. When I first got together with Max, the only time he would go somewhere that wasn't where he lived was for work. Never on holiday. And I remember the first proper holiday we took was our honeymoon. We booked two weeks, which I think for a honeymoon is, you know, that's a that's a nice amount of time. My man was quaking in his boots those first five days. He did not know what to do with himself. He was just so confused. He was lost. And I had to sit him down and be like, you're allowed to just relax. This is our honeymoon. You're allowed to take some time off. So we've been married coming up to four years and I have really tried because I want to take holiday. I love holidays. Holidays are where I'm, where I'm my best self. And honestly, also, I would say I work pretty hard. It's so important to me to really have some proper time off, to be away from my phone, in my case, to be in the sunshine because I'm a sun holiday kind of gal. It's really, really important to me. 
And it is also one of my motivations to work hard, um, which is also so capitalist, isn't it? We go on holiday to feel more relaxed so we can work harder, do capitalism harder when we get back, uh, which I'm also trying to unlearn. But I do think they are important and they are important for me and my mental health and uh, just taking time off, you know, even if you don't go away, I think it's important. It's taken me some work to get Max to a place where he is ready and willing to take a holiday and take some time off. Now, often I find going away, you know, even if that's a staycation, which we do love a staycation, is really helpful because it gets you out of your head and it gets you out of, you know, the kind of working frame of mind. And obviously we both work from home. So staycations, when we just stay at home, I think we feel it's hard to distinguish between work and holiday. But I do feel like I've got him to a place now where he is willing to take some time off. And I feel like this is the biggest achievement. So yay to four years of graft, me persuading my husband that he needs to take time off and stop working. And he's getting better. He's getting better. The American is unlearning, working nonstop. And the Brit is very proud. I want to talk you through a couple of France highlights. We went to Marseille, which is such a vibrant city. I'd never been before and I thought it was incredible. There is so much going on. It's so energetic. There are loads of great vegan restaurants, which let me tell you, in the south of France is highly surprising. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Barcelona because it is very much a city, but there are beaches and the sea and we decided to go to the beach and again, Max was like, what do I do with myself? And I was like, well, I'm personally going to lie and listen to podcasts and read my book. I have never been happier. Lying in the sun, reading as much as I would like, listening to as many podcasts as my ears can take. It's my pinnacle. That is me at my happiest on a beach. And then if I get too hot, I can either go get an ice cream or I can dip in the sea. Perfect. Max Max then told me that he had decided upon his routine for the next few hours because basically we were we'd planned which restaurant to go to that evening. We went to a vegan restaurant called Mariposas or Mariposas. Terrible pronunciation. It was lovely. But we had like a block where we were going to be at the beach. And Max had decided that he was going to spend <laughs> 20 minutes in the sun and then he was going to walk around the beach and go in the sea for 20 minutes and then he was going to sit just to the side of the beach sort of in a shaded area for 20 minutes and he was going to do this on rotation and that is how he was going to get through it and the way he just had this structure in place just tickled me so much but and this was an absolute godsend While we were on the beach, there were two games of volleyball happening. And anytime there's any kind of sport being played, Max's eyes are glued to it. He loves sport. And I could just see him itching, itching to go and play with these French people. And then we were given the biggest gift from a higher power. One of them walked over to Max and said in French, would you like to come and play volleyball with us? I've never seen him look so excited. He he stood up so straight. 
he was sort of ready. Yes, absolutely. I'm there. He went and played volleyball with a group of locals for two hours. He was completely distracted. He didn't have to do his three blocks of 20 minutes routine. I just lay back, listened to my podcasts, read my book, had the time of my life, and I didn't have to worry about Max. He was absolutely occupied. He loved it. And it did make me realize when I do worry about him, which I do, I think we all worry about the people we love, sort of getting quite in his head or wrapped up with work, which he really does have the tendency to do as if it's not already clear. I think sport, sport is the way to go. So um, it was definitely the nudge that we needed to kind of try and find him a local sport to get involved with, just because it makes him so happy. And he was just, he was in heaven. He wasn't all that good at volleyball. He's never really played it before, but he was just so determined to do a great job. And he did. And it was lovely. And it also made me think about how wonderful it is that no matter where you're from, you can kind of connect with people and connect with the community, even if you can't speak the same language as them through sport and have a great time. And yeah, it was just wonderful to see. I loved it. So that was a real highlight. And overall, I really, really loved Marseille. I thought it was such a cool city. I will definitely be going back. We took the train to the south of France and usually to get there by train, you have to change at Paris or Lille. And so we decided to go via Paris on our way home. We both love Paris. I think it's such a great city and it has a really, really great selection of vegan restaurants and cafes, which might come as a surprise to some of you, won't be a surprise to others of you, especially if you've been following me on kind of places like YouTube for maybe the past five years. I've always really enjoyed going to Paris specifically for its vegan food. And I'm going to run you through some of my favorites. Let's start with breakfast. Usually my number one spot is VG Patisserie, which I will leave, I'll leave all of this in the show notes, but it's an incredible vegan patisserie. But unfortunately, like many places in France, it's closed on a Monday, which is when we were there. So instead I went to Land in the Monkeys. I don't think it's as good as VG Patisserie, if I'm honest, but it is still great. And they do a great selection of different pastries and croissant and pan au chocolat and cookies and that kind of thing. And my number one favorite of all time place to eat in Paris is a Japanese curry restaurant called Pontoshu. It's on Rue de Pontoshu. I'm so sorry about my French pronunciation. It's inexcusably bad. But anyway, Pontoshu is my number one favorite place to eat. I think it's in my top five restaurants that I've ever been to. They just have a really simple menu, mainly Japanese curry, and they do one vegetarian curry there, which is 100% vegan. And it is delicious and it's just a super cute spot it's a great place to go for lunch or an early dinner because they close I think around 7 p.m it's just delicious I cannot recommend it enough Max and I just stumbled across it on our first visit to Paris together and we were like are we dreaming and I've been back every time since and I can't recommend it enough I love it one of my favorite places to eat of all time ever 
We also discovered a new spot in Paris, which was recommended to us by our friend Becca. It's called Jar Jar and it is Afro-Caribbean inspired, 100% plant-based, super delicious. We had cauliflower wings and I would say they specialize in kind of mixed plates of different things like salads. I had the most delicious kind of sticky tempeh skewers. It was all so delicious. Cannot recommend this place enough. And the cafe just had a really great vibe. We will definitely be going back. That is Jar Jar in Paris. And all of these places will be linked in the show notes. I'm now going to tell you about some of the books that I read while I was away. The first two were recommendations from my interview episode with Rachel Mills. Rachel is a literary agent and she's also a reader first and foremost. So I knew she would come through with some great recommendations and she did not let me down. The first book is Yellow Face by Rebecca Kwong. I absolutely love this book. It has a pace unlike any other novel I have read. It is so funny, dark and quick. I could not put it down. I honestly read it in a few sittings. It is about the publishing industry, cultural appropriation and white privilege. It follows the main character who is a white American woman called June Haywood. She is an author and she is not really anybody in the publishing world, in the book world. No one is that familiar with her work, but she is friends with one of the most famous young writers of her generation, a American Asian author called Athena. Athena is stunningly beautiful, ridiculously successful. And this isn't a spoiler to say, but very early on in the book, Athena dies in a freak accident in the company of June. And June finds an unfinished manuscript by Athena, which she then steals and publishes it under her own name, but a different, more Asian sounding name. So she changes her name from June Hayward to June Song. This book is brilliant. It really got inside my head, honestly. I could not put it down and I can't recommend it enough. I think the themes are so interesting, especially when we think about who has a right to tell which stories and from the perspective of the industry, the publishing industry. I think we've seen this a lot. It made me think about the book American Dirt and various other things that have happened in the publishing industry. I think it's really, really, really wonderful. And I also really appreciated that Rebecca Kwong is writing about the industry that she is a part of and she knows really well. So can't recommend Yellow Face enough. Do let me know if you read it and what you thought of it. The next book I want to recommend to you is Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. If you are someone who is in the mood for a romance this summer, I can't recommend this enough. It is really gorgeous. It's a little bit cheesy at points, but I didn't really mind that. It follows the main character, Sally Mills, who is a really successful scriptwriter for a legendary late night TV comedy show. 
It's actually based on Saturday Night Live. And the author did loads of research into SNL. And that is so abundantly clear in this book. And I loved learning about what it would be like to write and be a part of a show like Saturday Night Live. It's really, really well researched. And I I really did appreciate that part of the book. And it's about Sally meeting a super famous pop star called Noah Noah seems to be a good guy, but she doesn't think he is. He has a reputation for dating models and being a bit of a Lothario, I guess. And Sally is kind of fixated on this rule in comedy that not so attractive men can end up with super gorgeous, famous women, but that doesn't work in the reverse I really, really enjoyed this book. It's really fun. It is heartwarming. Yes, a little cheesy, but I do not mind that. So if you're looking for an easy beach read this summer, I would highly recommend Romantic Comedy. The final book I want to tell you about is The Rachel Incident. It's by Caroline O'Donoghue, who I've spoken about on voice notes before because she is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Sentimental Garbage. The Rachel incident follows the character of Rachel. She is currently in her early 30s, but she is looking back on her early 20s at a time where she was living in Cork in Ireland and she was at university working in a bookshop. And she meets this person called James and ends up being best friends with him. James is gay and it's about their platonic infatuation with each other which is just so delicious to read at the beginning of the book Rachel develops a crush on her married professor Dr Byrne and her and James devise a plan for Rachel to seduce Dr Byrne and it all kind of starts as a bit of harmless fun but it ends up being very complicated and these characters get kind of heavily entwined with each other Caroline is just such a talented writer. This book is so poignant, so funny, so very, very funny. She writes with such wit and humor. And there's also loads of nostalgia in there, which was really wonderful to read. I loved this book so much. I would really, really recommend it. So that is The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue. We're now going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be reading some of your emails. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
Welcome back. I just want to say a huge thank you to anyone who has emailed the show. I enjoy reading your letters so much and they really inform how these voice notes take shape. So if there is a topic that you would like to hear me speak about or discuss, please do email the show at atstpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me a voice note of your own. You could do a little voice recording on your phone and then send that as an attachment to the email address that I've mentioned. I think that would be really, really lovely to hear from you in voice note form. I want to start by reading this really thoughtful email about friendship and loneliness. Dear Venetia, I'm thoroughly enjoying your voice notes as I think it really reflects how we have dialogue about these topics with our friends, families and communities. I thought your episode about friendship and loneliness was crucial at this time and it was great to hear the thoughts from your friends. I wanted to add some advice and some additional thoughts that I don't hear often in this conversation but have found incredibly helpful in my own experience. Whilst I recognise the deep importance of appreciating long-lasting friendships, the societal discourse doesn't allow too much room for the variety of connections you can have within a community. Sometimes I have found this pressure to have really meaningful friendships quite overwhelming and can actually contribute to further feelings of loneliness. If people are struggling with this too, I would highly recommend reframing these ideas around relationships by putting value on the everyday connections we can have with people around us. This can include getting to know neighbours, regular volunteering in projects such as community gardens or weekly social groups such as knit and natters and choirs. Intergenerational relationships in these spaces can be deeply rewarding and although are not necessarily in the category of hashtag BFFs, it can really ease feelings of loneliness by sharing something you enjoy with people around you, even if you don't end up becoming really close. Sustaining relationships and friendships can be difficult at times, particularly if you feel like you're doing everything you can but aren't really getting anywhere. So taking this immediate pressure off can be really freeing in the way you interact with people around you and allow you to take a renewed enjoyment in the small things. I hope this helps anyone who is feeling isolated at this time. I really appreciate this email because I think you're totally right. I think we become so wrapped up in this idea that all of our friendships must be really deep and really long lasting. And actually these kind of smaller interactions that we have with people in our communities or local clubs or anything like that are so valuable and actually a lot less pressurizing. And I just really appreciated this nuance. So thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. And I also really love it because I think you've encouraged people to kind of really think about the communities that they're in. And we know now that community is more important than ever and feeling connected with our community, not only to kind of help build movements, um, but also to prevent loneliness is just so vital. So thank you so much for sending this in. I really appreciate it. I think we have time for one more email and this is also about friendship and loneliness. Hi, Venetia. I've been loving listening to your recent voice note episodes. A few years ago, I realised I don't want to have children and really appreciated listening to the range of voices you shared on the topic, including yours. 
I'm sorry to hear about how all encompassing this decision is feeling at the moment. And one day you can feel at peace with it. In response to your episode about friendship and loneliness, my biggest advice would be meeting people through activities. Over the years, I've joined a number of groups, knitting, arts, cycling, and met lovely people, some of whom have become great friends and others who were just lovely company that day, which is sometimes enough. I also find an activity, a low pressure way to ask someone if they'd like to hang out. For example, inviting someone to see an exhibition or the cinema, or if they fancy an afternoon of knitting. I used to find it nerve wracking meeting new people as I'm fairly introverted and don't feel confident talking lots, but the activity takes the pressure off and gives plenty to chat about or a comfortable reason for silence. Websites such as Meetup are great, or like Lottie said, keeping an eye on local notice boards. Loneliness can sometimes feel like a horrible catch-22. When I was feeling especially lonely, I lost my confidence in meeting new people, so found it harder to put myself out there. Start small and be kind to yourself, and hopefully with some practice, you can gain confidence in it. What a lovely, reassuring and comforting letter. Thank you so much for sending this in. And I really love how it kind of echoed the previous email that I read about how sometimes these kind of smaller friendships can be really sustaining and really joyful. And I also really appreciate the advice that you've given and completely agree there is something very comfortable about an activity which is a bit more low-key, like a gallery or exhibition or cinema trip And that kind of comfortable silence, I think, can be really valuable as well. So thank you so much for such great advice. I will definitely leave the link to Meetup in the show notes. And please do, anyone who feels like they can add a bit more nuance to this conversation or perhaps perspective that we haven't covered, do email the show or send a voice note to atstpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I love making these episodes and I'm really grateful that you choose your time, your precious time to listen to them. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, I hope you have the best possible day. See you soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 